Today on Lockdown Canadians, Martin St. Louis is signed to a three-year extension. What does this mean for the Canadians as well? What have we heard from Kent Hughes about his plans for the draft? And we have another big moment and all of that's coming up on today's Lockdown Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and welcome to episode 628 of Locked On Canadians, your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. We're almost at that 1000 mark. And if we do hit it, we're going to eat something gross or drink something gross and you'll get to decide. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick. I will be one of those people eating the gross thing. Um, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And today's a good day in Montreal, I think. Yeah, it's been quite a day. It's not often that you wake up, uh, roll over, and your phone has blown up with your co-host, and then also your boss going, "Hey, uh, you can can we get some work in on this?" And that being the Martin Saint Louis contract extension that we knew was coming at one point or the other. They've been talking about it nonstop since the end of the season. It's good that it's done and over with. It's one less thing that's just kind of floating around as a distraction as Kent Hughes takes in the draft combine this week in Buffalo and the Canadians just get ready for the actual NHL draft in July, just over a month away now. And so obviously on this show, we've had heart eyes for Martin St. Louis for quite a while. Uh, he's done a great job with the team. And so I want to touch on a couple of things that was said during his press availability that we now know Um that we now know that the negotiations didn't actually take too, too long. It was always in the works. Nobody really had any doubt. He even told at the end of the season, he even told, you know, uh, that he expected to come back. Uh, and uh, the only holdup was literally their schedules, right? Like Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon went over for the, uh, for the world championships. And then he was spending some time with his family. And then finally, they got a chance to get back to work, and he's got a three-year extension. He was asked, what does this mean to you? And I think for him, a lot of the words that he was saying is what it meant to him was that he gets to be part of building a new culture. The word culture comes up a lot. Now, the old front office used to talk about character a lot. The new one keeps talking about culture. And I think culture is so important because it's not, it encompasses so many things. It's not just what type of a game do you want to play? What type of players do you want to have? But also, how do we make this team into what we want it to be? And whether it's with player development, whether it's with, you know, just even nutritionists, whether it's the analytics team, everything has to kind of work together and they want to build sort of a context for the team to succeed. So that was the first thing that really stuck out to me uh, when they were talking. Scott, what about you? What's the one thing that really, really stuck out to you before we get a little bit deeper into what he said? I, I look at one thing from towards the end of his presser, and I have the quote here from our, uh, from Martin Silouan, Arpen Basu's feed, is that, I have to prove I'm a good coach. I think I have the qualities to be a good coach, but I have to prove it. And for me, I look at that, and that is the mindset of a guy who knows he can be something very good and very talented. 
that it's a microcosm of Martin St. Louis career. He's had to go and every step of the way prove that I am as good as I say that I am. And coaching is no different. He went undrafted. He had to prove that he could, you know, make the professional hockey leagues, that he could stick in the NHL and that he could win and do this. And now as a coach, it's like, okay, I have the qualities for this, but I need to show it. It's a three-year deal. That's time. That's, you know, he's going to work through that. There's going to be bumps in the road. That's just how this works. As other people point out that, yeah, he didn't end the season great, but they also traded away a whole bunch of pieces and the team itself was not very good. It, it's going to be interesting to see what his growth is this season and to see someone who admits he's not coming in and going, I am the best man for the job. He knows that he can do great things. He just has to prove it. He has his concepts and his systems or whatever in mind. Now he has to apply those and get everyone on the same page. He has a full offseason. He has a full preseason and training camp. He has a full regular season to prove what the Mark and St. Louis style of hockey is in Montreal. And I'm I'm excited for that. Just because the growth we saw from players underneath him, results notwithstanding, which we know the Canadians were bad. You don't need to tell us that. We know they were bad. But you see the growth and the maturation of some of these young guys there, and they're going to get a whole year now, plus camp and everything else. It's hard to not feel giddy and see what he means by when he proved that he could. The couple of things that I want to kind of really talk about is one, he's still confident, right? Like one of the things that Martin St. Louis has always been is he's confident that he can do it, even if you think he can't, right? He's had naysayers his entire career. And that's that's one thing that, you know, he's got that. But he also has the humility and the self-awareness to know that he has to prove it, right? It's not, it doesn't matter how he talks. It doesn't matter how he feels. He has to prove it. And so another thing that I want to talk about, and we are going to talk about this a little bit in the second segment as well, is the mindset. They're talking about, you know, like, would you like to make the playoffs next year? And he said, sure, that would be great, you know, but the goal is to make this team a good team for years to come. It's not just about winning in the moment. Like the the words, the results came up a lot. Like there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, And, you know, I think everybody on the organization is on the same page is that there's no point to winning one season and then being bad or not having any success for a few seasons. They want to build a perennial contender. We are looking right now, as we speak, as we're recording, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Rangers. And that's a team where, you know, year in and year out, they had a chance. It's been a long time that they've always been in the conversation. They've got two Stanley Cups and they they are all, they're halfway to winning a third one in a row, right? That's a team that is a perennial contender. They made smart decisions and they built a winning culture. And it's going to be the same thing with Montreal, I think. Or that that seems to be their goal is to build a culture and then have players that work that, that fit into it. And Martin St. Louis also asked about drafting. I think it's really cool what he said. And he, and he was talking about how, you know, um, he, he compared his role in that drafting conversation at the way that he compares the general manager's role in the coaching conversation where, yes, the general manager or Jeff Gordon will come and talk to him about how players are doing, what he thinks of them, what they think of the players. But he's ultimately the person who decides who puts a skate on the ice, right? That's his decision, but he makes an informed decision based on those conversations. And he said the same thing. I don't make the decision as to who to draft. 
but I'm sure my opinion will be asked and I'll give my opinion because I think it's really important that they have as many perspectives as possible that at the end they come up with something that like not everybody always has to be on the same page. Not everybody's going to have the right idea as to what the goal is. But if everybody can agree on what the goal is, I think, you know, the Canadians are going to have a much more transparent, successful, cooperative front office than uh, in previous years. And, and I think he, like you said, he's like, you know, we have a system. There's a lot of young, exciting guys here. And I think that the flexibility is the key there is that if they pick Shane Wright, he's going to figure out how he fits in. If they pick Slavkovsky, they're going to figure out how he fits in. Regardless of who the, the Canadians are adding, I'm not worried about how they're integrated in because Martin St. Louis seems to have the right idea on how to make everything work here. And that seamless kind of working between everything is important. There's not a disconnect between what the coaching staff needs and what the front office wants and what this part of it needs. Everyone seems to be kind of on the same page. They want to get faster. They want to get more skilled. And that's what they're going to do right now. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the future and the drafting in just one moment. But first, you know we love Built Bar. If you've ever listened to this podcast, you know we're such big fans of Built Bar. And now Built Bar has granola bars. I'm not kidding you. Built Bar has granola bars. They've been asked to make granola bars, and now they are delivering it to us. And they've got unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, white chocolate berry. If you want to try all three flavors, you can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. They're so delicious. They've got 15 grams of protein and only 4 grams of sugar, and they will change your world. They are perfect for your on-the-go. They're perfect for, you know, your workouts to fuel your hikes, for breakfast if you like. That's what I do. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. And it provides tons of health benefits, like check out your skin. If you're trying not to age, collagen protein is so important for that. Go to Built.com and try Built Granola Bars right now. And if you use our promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So we had a bunch of guests on this week and the, in the past week. So every once in a while, something happens and we'll kind of have to fit it into a later episode. So this conversation with Kent Hughes actually took place the day before we are recording. It's not the day that we're recording, but I still think that it's worth talking about. So he was at the Combine, but he allowed the media uh, some time and he gave them an availability and, and answered a bunch of their questions. This was after they had a chance to meet with Shane Wright. I believe they went to dinner with him. And I think one of the things that, that he said that I thought was really funny uh, and I didn't know that that's how quickly it was and he said that you know when you're trying to meet players at the combine every team gets 15 minutes it feels a bit like speed dating so you kind of have to get a lot of information out of a player in a very short amount of time about the kind of personality he is now everyone can has access to scouting reports they have access to their own scouting reports they have access to data whether it's proprietary or not but a lot of teams want to meet with players to kind of talk about or see what kind of a player they're getting. Uh, and for me, I thought that was the most interesting revelation. They were very impressed with meeting Shane Wright. So anyway, the whole idea of going to dinner with Shane Wright was to get a little bit more time with him um, and get like pick his brain and things like that. And uh, I believe that, you know, most of the teams that are drafting that high will spend a little bit more time with those top five-ish players, I guess. They said that they were going to meet with a lot of other players. They weren't 100% sure about their decision, but 
from everything that he was saying, it feels like they've they've made their decision and this was kind of just like a rubber stamp. And that's the thing is, I know in previous years, having talked to Trevor Timmons at the draft combine and other players, it's not an uncommon occurrence. They go out to dinner with these players all the time. It's just rare for the Canadians to be in that first overall spot where they're looking at it and going, hey, you know, we're going out to dinner with, you know, Shane Wright right now. And it, it it's not a a thing that's like, oh my God, they're doing this. This is definitely what's happening. It is part of a formality and I'm not surprised, but at the same time, it really does kind of lend itself. I don't think they'd show their hand by being like, no, we uh, we're going to sh- take Shane right out to dinner. And then we kicked him out of a cab in the middle of Elmwood and left him there and just went back to the hotel kind of thing. It, it's all part of the process. It's, it, it's the world's slowest game of cards basically is that everyone is kind of, you know, keeping it close to the vest I, I really don't think they're not going to pick Shane Wright. If they, if, I'd be shocked if that's not the pick at this point. And don't read too far into it. It's not that deep. It's a little deep, but it's like kiddie pool deep. It's not like well oil well deep here. Don't, don't go deeper than you need to on this. And besides the Shane Wright thing, uh, I want to direct uh, to something Ken Hughes said in this uh, press conference that I feel like needs a little bit of nuance and explanation. They said they are not offering Logan Mayu a contract at this point in time right now. And they said that they are still evaluating him as a player and as a person, which is well within their right to do. The Canadians did not have to sign him this season. Uh, his rights expire next year uh, on, I believe it's, uh, the same date in 2023, and they would get a comp- compensatory uh, second-round pick if they let him go. And part of the reason why, and I look at this from a purely playing standpoint, since the 1920 season in the OHL, he has played 16 games, and he has nine points, which, okay, fine. And then he played that season in the third tier of the Swedish league, uh, Hockey Etienne, and he put up 15 points in 19 games. There is not enough of a sample size for Kent Hughes and his own staff to look at this and go, we know what we have in this player. We do not know what we have in this player. And then you add in also, has he actually matured and shown remorse for what he's done and everything along with that? This is not a vendetta thing. This isn't them canceling anybody. This is them making a very smart hockey decision. You do not have to give a contract to someone who has not earned it, who has another year to prove that they have worthwhile that on and off the ice. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I understand their hesitancy and why they're waiting on this. And I will continue to understand that it makes very good sense. If you're Ken Hughes in the rebuild, where does he fit in with this? Is he worth the contract spot? We don't have many of them, at least not right now. And I surprisingly, the discourse, either I'm not seeing it, there's any, you know, out there insane pieces of it, I'm not seeing it. But surprisingly, everyone's kind of been on the same page that this is the right track forward right now. Right. And whether you believe that they're not ready to sign him because they don't know if he's matured enough or that they haven't seen enough games, I think both are true. And it's not up to us. It is up to them what they decide to do. And I think they're keeping a close eye on him. And they said, you know, they want him to, they want to make sure he's going to be a good member of the London community as well as the Montreal community. I think one thing to note though, is that we have been asking all of our experts 
about him because a lot of times like people reply to us and they say he has the talent to be the number one defenseman. He has the talent to be the number one defenseman. We've asked every single scout and every single scout has said the same thing. He's got good size, good skating, good shot. He has very poor decision making on the ice. We're not talking off the ice. We're literally talking about on the ice. He has very poor decision making. If you can't fix that, you can't be a number one defenseman. So we are asking, we because we know you keep asking us, we keep asking. We don't want to spend segments on him when we're talking about the draft and the Canadians' other prospect depth and other things we get asked to ask our scouts about, but we have been doing our research. You know, it's not just what we read, it's also what they are telling us, is that great shot, you know, great skating, great size, abysmal decision-making. So that is something that we all have to keep in mind when we're talking about him and his development. So I think that they need to kind of work on that. So the next thing that I do want to say about Kent Hughes, we kind of touched on it on on yesterday's episode. And if you're a hockey nerd, definitely check that out because it was really fun. Uh, We talked about models and predicting, you know, what, what NHLers will make the NHL and what NHLers have star power to make the NHL. And some surprising uh, information was, was came out of that episode. So thanks to Byron Bader for that. But one thing that Kent Hughes said, was that they want to make sure that they get players that will play in the NHL. I don't think that the Canadians uh, won't do a high-risk, high-reward type thing just because they have a bazillion draft picks. They've got either 13 or 14. So I think that there will be some high-risk, high-reward, but I think his entire goal right now is to build a hockey team, is to build a hockey team within. So that's something that we should keep in mind when they make their drafting decisions. Sometimes they might go for a safer play, but I do want to see them reach for the stars a little bit. In the meantime, on the flip side, we're going to talk about Hillary Knight and a couple things about the Laval Rocket, and that's coming up in just one moment. We're going to talk real quick about Joshua Roy and the Laval Rocket. We will be previewing the Laval Rocket on tomorrow's episode as well. It will be our mailbag episode, so please send us questions at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com, as well as uh, on Twitter. And just before I forget, we are doing a listener survey, and we'd like you all to complete it. So you can go to locked on pod go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey and you can get started it's not going to take a long time and we want to know what you like what you don't like about locked on podcast and if you complete a, the survey you will you will qualify uh, for a chance to win one of 10 100 Ticketmaster gift cards so please do that right now we really really appreciate it all right uh joshua rock Yes, so uh, he was eliminated uh, in the QMJHL playoffs by Xavier Simonon, William Trudeau's Charlottetown Islanders. And as expected, the turnaround, a lot like Riley Kidney's, was he signed an ATO, an amateur tryout, with uh, the Rocket. He joined the team for practice. They just got back to practice today, I believe. Uh, Jean-Francois Houle said that, you know, right now we have a lineup that makes sense, and it's good that they're here. They're getting experience. They're practicing and just soaking it all in, basically. They're learning a lot here. And if the opportunity is there, they will like they will get a shot. They will get a shot there. If any of their injuries or someone's not playing well, wine kidney are right there to take over if need be. Uh, I wouldn't bet on any lineup changes for game one, especially on the road. They're not going to throw a kid who uh, hasn't played professional hockey before uh, into the fire on the road when they don't have last change, can't control the matchups, but if they struggle a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked for the three games at Plas Bell, games three through five, 
if we see Wah get into the lineup there where uh, Hula can kind of control the matchups and get what he's looking for uh, to kind of ease in there. Uh, obviously, we will keep you updated on that. We're going to talk to Rocket tomorrow. We're doing a series preview at Eyes on the Prize as well. Uh, Jared Book and myself are going to sit down and do that, assuming uh, my voice holds up for that right now. But there's more There's more um, important news than Joshua around <laughs> the uh, hockey world. And this is something we meant to talk about a couple of days ago. Obviously, the story is not brand, brand new, but we had guests lined up. And that takes priority in terms of booking on this. So now, uh, Laura, well, would you like to discuss uh, Hillary Knight's interview uh, in um, The Athletic? Sure, absolutely. So today, when we're recording, this is June 1st. It is the first day of Pride Month in most places. Montreal does Pride in August, but... Um, in general, globally, June is recognized as Pride Month, and I, this was not to coincide with that or anything like that, but The Athletic has a fabulous in-depth piece on Hillary Knight, and it, it it's about a lot of things. It, there is a very small portion of it in which she comes out as queer, like, officially, right? There was a lot of talk uh, in the article about just, like, people would see her with people that she was dating or whatever. There'd be a lot of questions on TikTok. People kept asking her who her boyfriend was and things like that. And she said that she was ready to say that she's a member of the queer community. And I think that's a really big moment, not because in women's hockey there haven't been openly queer uh, hockey players. I mean, like, you know, women's hockey players from the U.S. and Canada teams marrying each other, like that that enemies to lovers trope is very real. There's so many of them and they've got kids now. And it's it's not something that's brand new in that scenario, but she is an extremely high profile player to, to put it in words, to put it in writing. Uh, she is arguably one of the best hockey players to play the game, like American hockey players to play the game in history. Like I'm talking men, I'm talking women, I'm talking just everybody, right? Uh, so she has a lot of spotlight on her and uh, I've met her before and she, she is one of my favorite players. And while she represents the team and the game really, really well, she does tend to come off as kind of shy, I think. So I feel like this is like a huge, uh, a huge moment. And I, and I really do hope that people take from this, like just the weight behind it. And it's weird to explain. It's hard to explain, but when, when a lot of us read that, we weren't super surprised, uh, but I think it was important for it to be put in writing, if that makes sense. It, it's she's such a massive part of not only just women's hockey, but like hockey in general. Like Hillary Knight, in terms of like U.S. Olympians and U.S. women's hockey players, is in a pantheon almost all of her own. There, there's you know some big names that are a part of that. And she's right up there to have uh, that openness takes courage on a big stage, especially for someone in uh, her spot where you are the face of this, you know, you are not it. And this is not to take away from people who have, you know, come out at lower levels and everything. This is the kind of thing that a major personality in a sport doing this helps set a level of comfort and standard that it's like, Hey, you know, I am who I am. You should be who you are too there. And it, it kind of encourages more people to, to feel comfortable in their own skin and be who they actually are. And maybe, you know, that comes with their own coming out and that, and it's so important that she was candid about this is that it's, you know, she mentioned that she's like, it's, you know, always been something that's there 
it doesn't change who she is. She's still a dominant athlete in the sport of hockey. She's a physically impressive, talented player. It doesn't matter what, you know, or how she identifies. She is still Hillary Knight, U.S. Olympian, face of U.S. women's hockey, part of the women's equality movement in sports, you know, part of that. We look at what the U.S. women's soccer team has done, the U.S. women's hockey program has done, and she's still part of that. And it's so important to have such an important voice, not only things like that, but now for people who are marginalized, even within that circle, which is already marginalized beyond that, it, it provides a level of comfort that now more people feel like they belong and that this is, yes, this is actually where I belong. I am not an outsider here. If Hillary Knight is here, I can be here too kind of thing. And it, it's it, it's always, it's, I don't want to say heartwarming. I don't think that's the word I want to use for this, but it's validating. It's, Yes, it's very important. <laughs> it's so crucial that these voices are here. I think what's so crucial is that she was able to do this on her own terms, right? That is so, so important because I know that people have been asking her to do this for a while. And this is just members of the public. If you're a public person, it's astounding how much public the public demands of you and expects of you and thinks that they're entitled to from you. So I know a lot of people always look at star players like that and they say, oh, if only they would come out, it would just make things better for all, all queer people everywhere and things like that. It's really, really important to respect people's time uh, the time that they take to come out and whether or not they want to come out. If they're never ready to come out in their entire lives publicly, that's fine too. It's really, really important to respect everybody else's journey. When I said that a lot of us weren't surprised it's because if you've met her or if you've spent time in the same vicinity or whatever, you'll already know. But it's not our job and it's not our role to kind of push her to do it. It's up to her to do it whenever she wants to do it. And so I think that I want that to be another takeaway. Like Scott, like you said, a takeaway that, you know, she's she's a really prominent person coming out like publicly and all of that that's important but i also think it's really important to learn that even if you're at the pinnacle of your career you know you're making your most money or you you've got your you know you've got the most accol accolades and success and all of that you might not be ready to come out and it's important that you do it on your own terms and i want that also to be a takeaway from that for people and the articles on the athletic it is quite phenomenal it talks about a whole bunch of stuff especially like parts about where she feels the weight of her role trying to be an ambassador for the game of hockey it talks about what she might do next after her playing career there's a lot of meat to the article but the reason we wanted to kind of talk about this this aspect of it is one because you know it's really hard out there especially with all these bills and all, all the hate out there for for queer people especially queer queer teenagers queer kids we thought it was really important to focus on that aspect, but also it is Pride Month. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is just allowing people and supporting people be who they are. Um, and I'm sure this goes without saying, but if you have any hate towards queer people in any way, we're probably not the podcast for you. I'll leave that. I'll leave it on that note. Uh, but I will ask for mailback questions for tomorrow. So remember, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matley. You will find me at The Active Stick. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well 
is on the YouTube. We're almost at a thousand um, and we're getting very, very close. We're very, very excited about it. Uh, we do have more guests lined up in the coming weeks, but in the meantime, we will ask you to check out Locked On NHL. Make them your second listen of the day because they're covering the playoffs from all aspects. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.